All right, what's good, everybody? Welcome back to Chopping It Up with P. Scott. I'm Prescott Kelly. Today is Wednesday, June 7th. Glad to have you back with us. Another early morning episode before we start this 11-hour grind. These episodes always feel a little bit rushed just because I'm trying to pack so much content into such a short window. But I have the next three days off, so hope we can uh, dive more in-depth in other things. But big shout out to Bobby Auden and Scott Coberly for you guys' reviews on the previous episodes. I'm going to give them a quick shout out. If you listen on Spotify, you can leave a comment for the show. Let us know how we're doing, how we're not doing. Topics that you'd like for us to t- uh, bring up later on. The iPhone is doing some new updates on iOS 17, which I think that was going to be pretty interesting. Dwight Howard wants to help the Kings win a chip. Dame Lillard is further doubling down on wanting to be traded. And a whole lot more. I'm going to do like rapid fire. We got like 17 topics to talk about. That's a little bit of an exaggeration, but there's a lot. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. Make sure to smash those five-star reviews. Like, share, subscribe, follow. The homework is to tell one person or share the episode with somebody so we can grow this in the evil empire that we are trying to build. I was going back and forth on where to start on this episode, and I figured what I would start with is, one, Scott Coberly, thank you so much for the, the comment on the previous episode. I brought up a little bit about how Nick Wright had already said, you know, if... If if Jokic were to win the title this year and finals MVP, he'd be better than Dirk, better than Kevin Durant. Or not, I think he said Kevin Durant and Kevin Garnett. That exact quote is eluding me at the moment, but he went from if he wins a ring, if he wins a ring this year, he's already like a top 20 player of all time, which can sometimes be hyperbole, but, you know, we kind of broke it down in the last episode of how that could at least in some theory be true. So Scott left a message through Spotify and it's a, you know, like Jokic could hang it up today and be better than Dirk. So I think it depends on what you're really talking about. If you're talking about longevity and obviously the impact that Dirk had versus Jokic, I think the impact about Dirk over Jokic is is more just because without Dirk, I don't know if we see this version of Jokic, which we it's hard to tell. We can never say definitively that we would never have Joker if we didn't have Dirk. But because we had Dirk, it at least puts it in the conversation of he's one of the reasons why we have this version of Nikola that you, you could, you could argue at least, but sometimes what we like to do is we say better just because somebody played longer and has that they have more points, rebounds, assists, just because they have more and they played longer. We want to say that they're better, which isn't always necessarily the case because if you were going to make the argument of who's the better player, Dirk or Nikola, I could see the argument from both sides because I remember like prime Dirk was a different type of monster. Just offensively, what he could give you, he was more fluid, more athletic. That turnaround fadeaway was unguardable at his height. But if you were to look at just the overall bag, both guys weren't great defenders. Dirk was more athletic, a better and more willing shooter, but Nicholas still shooting 47% from three, which is pretty good. He doesn't shoot as high of a volume that Nowitzki did. But he's a better rebounder and he's a much better passer. So if you were just trying to decipher their games and who's better, I could see the argument for Nikola. But if we're just saying, you know, who's the great, who's the greatest player between the two of them? At this point in time, I do think that the skill set plus the longevity and stats do matter. Like it's a culmination of everything. 
So I'd still probably have Dirk higher, but if you were to say like whose game is more, more well-rounded, I think I'd go Jokic as well. So thank you, Scott, so much for the feedback on that. If you guys have anything else, please make sure that you put them in the in the comment section so we can talk about more things, more debates. Debate shows are my thing, but they're topics that you guys want to talk about, and that's how we keep this thing engaged. Moving on. So we'll move on to some other fan mail. It wasn't really even fan mail, but I was pretty active this morning on the Chopping It Up with P. Scott Page. Sorry, I'm still waking up. Like, it's 7 o'clock in the morning. I'm tired as hell right now. I've been up since 4. But this morning, I posted about Dame Lillard, and, you know, he's... I think that what people can sometimes get misconstrued about me and my my thought process when it comes to certain players is that I've been pro-player. I'm very pro-player as, as opposed to pro-management, pro-ownership, because, you know, even though the players are making all this money, the owners still have all the money. And it's, it's the same dynamic in our work environment. So when it comes to players wanting to better their, their environment, to better their opportunity to win, I'm all about it. What I've been on Dame more than most is because he's been preaching loyalty basically since he got to Portland and how he's going to win. He's going to win there. Doesn't want to win anywhere else. He's not going to ring chase. And he's been on record. He says it all the time, but over the last few months, he's been more active and been more open spoken about how he's willing to trade and willing to play someplace else, which is fine. I tell you guys all the time, I'm not trying to get in the way of anybody's happiness. I'm not going to actively play defense about you wanting to better your life. And when it comes to professional sports, I've said it before and I'll say it again. These guys are in a lose-lose situation no matter what they do. If Dame stays in Portland and plays a loyalty card and wraps up his career there and doesn't win a ring, initially it'll be, well, he did it the right way. He stayed loyal, played for one team, but he didn't win anything. And as the years go by, then we're going to say, yeah, but you didn't win. You're an idiot. You could have you could have went and got a ring someplace. You could have chased one. But then if he does that, he gets crucified like Kevin Durant, then he still won't have the validation. So regardless of what these guys do, unless you do it basically where you're drafted and for the most part, stay there for the, the, the entirety of your career, you're in a lose-lose situation anyways. But for me personally, it's more of the backtracking. Like he's been so strident in the, I'm going to do everything here. I'm going to do it the right way. And I've been telling you guys this for two years now. He's not going to end his career in Portland because he sees the writing on the wall that this team isn't doing anything. And not all of that is his fault, right? So Portland has had some good teams in the past. But one of the arguments that I make is just because you're gray like and you don't win a ring doesn't mean that your career was a failure. Sometimes you basically just run into Jordan, which is what Dame kind of had to deal with. I make this comparison with Philip Rivers. It's not his fault that he had to deal with Ben Roethlisberger, Peyton Manning, and Tom Brady. Whoops. Sometimes that just happens. And it's the same thing with Steph. Whoops. You just ran to, or I'm sorry, it's the same thing with Dame. You ran to Steph. Whoops. You played an era that still had the Lakers and the Spurs. Like this, sometimes these runs just can happen. You can't do anything about it. Now, I'm not saying that Portland's ever had a team that's on the, the, the scale of those teams and that Dame has ever been as good as Steph. But they've had some pretty good rosters in Dame's career. But over the last few years, they have really been failing him. And I can see why he'd be frustrated and want to get out. 
my only get down is that if you are trying to say that you're this person about that life, then you need to be that person, be about that life. It's, it seems kind of like a cop out when at the very end of your career, which I, again, I, I've been on this train for two years, but now it's finally coming to fruition. Excuse me. It's finally coming to fruition of him just saying, man, I don't stand a f-ing chance because now that golden state's on the downslope, now Memphis is good. Now Denver's here. I don't have, what am I going to do? And the West is still competitive as all hell anyways, because he was asked recently, like he goes, Miami, obviously Bam is my dog. When Dame was asked on who we'd like to be traded to between the Knicks, Heats, Celtics, and Nets. And he goes, Miami, I, he openly said, I want to be traded to Miami. So again, like I get, I get why he'd want to do that. I'm all about people wanting to better their work environment. So in the grand scheme of things, like I'm not necessarily mad at him or think that he's doing the weak thing in order to do it. It's just, I've been saying this for like two years now that once he realizes fully that he's done, he's going to start to back out on this. And he is. And I understand why some people are saying, well, like, look, he spent like 11 years there. Cause that was Bobby's point. It was like, yo, he's been there for 11 years. He's been about as loyal as you can be to a franchise. He's earned this. And I 100% agree with that. For me, it's just the fact that if you weren't so over the top belligerent and strident about how you would never leave. And then once you're on the tail end of your career, now you want to start chasing rings. And I said before, man, like if you just didn't sign that bonkers deal where you're paying, you're getting paid like $60 million a year, I think starting next year. Why, if you wanted to win in Portland, you shouldn't have done that because you're handcuffing a team that already doesn't have CJ McCollum anymore. Marcus Aldridge isn't walking through that door anymore. Like you, you guys aren't good. And what he did to Portland is basically what Kobe did to the Lakers the, like the, the last few final years of his career. The salary cap wasn't the same. It was lower, but his percentage of what he was taking up was ridiculous. And the Lakers were doo-doo butter for the last few years of Kobe's year, of, of, of Kobe's career. Why? Because he handcuffed that team. And that's kind of what Dame has done to Portland. If the winning was that important to you, and if the winning was that important to you there, you wouldn't have done what you did. So I don't have a whole lot of sympathy for Dame in this regard because you kind of did this to yourself but he did this. He did the ploy. He pulled the okie doke like most players do. I want to win here. I want to be loyal. He basically baited the fan base because he's been doing this forever. He's been playing the fan base for him against management. The management knew that they couldn't lose. Like they couldn't lose this dude. He is Portland basketball. He's the best basketball player that they've had since what? Like since Clyde Drexler. I mean, that's a long ass time to be somewhat irrelevant in the world of, of professional basketball. So he knew that he had Portland by the nuts and said, well, you know, pay me or I'm out. And they paid him. And now he still wants out. Athletes are doing this now, which again, it's, it's one of those things where I'm okay with it because I'm all about you getting your bag. Because at the end of the day, these organizations aren't going to give a damn about these players. Anyways, they're not going to keep in contact with them. They're not going to make sure that they're doing all right. They're, they're not going to have any problem whatsoever when you're done, just being done with you. So get as much as you can while you can. But once again, when you start backtracking on that loyalty train, that's where I have the biggest issue. Not the fact that he's necessarily doing it because I applaud the hustle, getting that money and then trying to get your way to a destination that you want to be at. But I'm just saying, I saw through all of this bullshit a long time ago. And now you guys are finally seeing it in your eyes. All of you Swifties out there, 
or Swiffers, as I like to call them, y'all, man, you need to get in touch with your girl and tell her to stay the f*** away from Austin Reeves. Don't you touch that, man. Lakers fans got it hard enough right now in the moment. I mean, like, I know they're they're good. They're going to be fine. But Austin Reeves is about the only thing they got really going for them right now They're like that they're super happy about. I'm telling you, if you're a Taylor Swift fan and a Lakers fan, get in her DMs and say, leave Austin Reeves the f*** alone. We don't want to see him as a cameo in one of your videos. We don't want to see him or hear about him in one of your songs. You leave that poor white boy alone. So Dwight Howard is saying that he isn't completely retiring from the NBA yet. He's been playing over at Taiwan. And I know that that's not the NBA. The level of competition is not the same. So I'm not trying to do that. But I think he's got a little bit left in the tank, especially if he's just coming off the bench. He said he wants to play for Sacramento, help them win a title, which I don't know. Just, just because Sacramento was good this year doesn't mean that they're going to be back again next year. I don't know how much I fully believe in that roster with how bad they were defensively, but Dwight Howard does help on that end. And back in the day, like I made, I used to make fun of Dwight Howard because like defensively, he was a monster, but his offensive game was so limited. It was, you could predict everything he was going to do. He was like, I, I made this comparison about a year and a half ago, two years ago, was that him and Giannis are very similar where they're so predetermined on what they want to do that they are somewhat easy to figure out, but they're still incredibly difficult to stop. And that was kind of Dwight's game. Like you knew he was going to dribble three times, uh, drop step baseline or towards the middle and maybe miss. But even if he did, he was going to get his own offensive board. Or you know he's going to pick and roll, roll to the hoop, get a lob or get an easy bucket. Like that's the reason why he shoots like 60% from the floor. Everything was in that, you know, somewhat four foot radius of, of the hoop. But if we're just talking about Sacramento and Dwight Howard, that seems like a pretty good fit. Mostly because like the, the thing that we're running into with Jokic is that there isn't anybody who's big enough and strong enough to be able to take care of him when he's in the post. And I think when you look at him and Sabonis, if you were to pair them together, you can't obviously just, you can't just switch like mid possession for no reason. But if you were to have both those guys on the floor, it at least helps you because Sabonis is a pretty good defender. Howard still has some good lateral quickness and plus he's still yoked up as all hell. So from a defensive perspective, Man, you've got to have somebody with a big enough body who can handle Jokic when he does decide to get in the post. And because Dwight is still a really good defender, look, you don't have to have him go out and get you 20 a night. That isn't really his game. But the other thing, too, is that he's pulling threes in Taiwan. He's been able to extend his range some. I wouldn't trust him to shoot it regularly. But at least now he's proven that he can shoot a three. So you know, Jokic still has to come out and guard him a little bit. He can't just hang out and sag below the key. I don't know. I think that Dwight to Sacramento makes a lot of sense if they're willing to to take the risk on him. But yeah, man, having a big body defender, somebody who can actually body up Jokic and I don't know, man. I think it'd be intriguing. Uh, we, we Sometimes we see these players hang on for too long 
And I think with him being in Taiwan and being able to really expand his game, because that's the thing, like over in Taiwan, like these, these former NBA players who go overseas and play in Asia or in Europe, like they get to have, I would imagine more fun. They get paid good money. They're, they're icons over there and whatever they do, like, what, what are they going to do? They're going to cut them. No, like the, the fans are drawn to go see the former NBA players, which gives them a certain form of flexibility and freedom and then being able to play a different way. I never thought I would ever see Dwight Howard shoot threes, but here we are. This is the world that we live in. So I do, do I think that him to Sacramento is going to necessarily happen? No, but if he's picking a place that's young, that needs help defensively, and where he can still contribute and still get back into NBA basketball, that's about as good of a fit that I can think of. Plus, I like I like Dwight Howard. I really do. I've, I've made fun of him beforehand because I think his offensive game is so limited and because it's not aesthetically pleasing necessarily. But I miss him and his, uh, I guess you could say his antics. And I always like the redemption story, right? We always kind of push these guys out of the league when we think that they're out or they become obsolete because that form of center doesn't really last in the NBA anymore. But there are certain situations and certain matchups where you still need a guy like that. In Sacramento, especially in the West with Jokic doing that thing, I think it'd be a good move. The iPhone giveth and the iPhone taketh away. iOS 17 is going to have two updates. And I think that most people are happy about one of them. One, I think it's, there's, there's going to be mixed emotions about it, I would imagine, because some people are weirdos and creeps like that. I guess I'll start there. So iOS 17 update is going to essentially have like it's going to have the capability to be able to prevent like nude pics being sent to you unsolicited. So if it's either a number that you don't recognize or or just in general, from what I understand, it's just going to be able to, I guess, scan the photo initially and AI is going to be able to figure out what that body part is versus what that body part is and be like, yo, you sure you want to get this? Cause I've been saying forever. What we need is an application that has like four different settings after a certain time frame that says, are you sure you want to send this text? Like dog, are you really sure you want to send this text? This is like that, but also on the receiving end. So the update will basically allow you to without even seeing it too. I'm not sure what the pop-up is going to say, but it's going to essentially give you an alert that you've got some explicit content coming your way and you can just say, yeah, of course I want to see that. I've seen one. I want to see them all. You know, it, it, it gives you that prerogative or it's like, nah, I don't want it from that person though. And without even having to see it, you can just delete it, which I mean, in all fairness, like, like I've never received one of those picks from anybody except for when COVID happened and that dude hanging over the bed who's got the meat hog of like literally a subway sub. There were people doing that for a bit, but that's the only time where I've ever received like anything male or female. So I, this is, this doesn't really fit me. This is not my demographic. So luckily I probably have to change my settings because I'm terrible at changing my settings anyways, which leads me to my next point of the iOS update is going to allow you to, or it's not going 
to autocorrect the word uh to ducking, which is cool because like I'm not generally a potty mouth when it comes to text. Like here, this is cool because I have like my little board and you can kind of some things you know exactly what I'm trying to say when I'm editing it, and then sometimes, you know, I leave it up to the theater of the mind. But through text, like I don't usually swear all that much. But it's nice to know now that I, when I intend to, the iPhone isn't going to just go ahead and take this into their hands and, you know, try to censor me. Because now I'm going to be those people who try to take my freedom of speech. I bet you that's what it was too. I'm not sure what started this uprising because it's been auto-correcting, you know, to ducking forever. But I also, again, I didn't realize you could even turn autocorrect off. That's how little I care about my technology and my devices. When I get my phone, my phone stays the way it was the moment that I got it. The only thing that changes is like when I download apps and then when I send notifications, sometimes I'll allow those depending on what the app is. But everything else, as far as settings are concerned, factory settings. I care that little about my device. I got a brand new phone back in November, new phone and new number. And that's the first new phone I bought in like six years. I just don't give a about the technology and need the, the latest and greatest when it comes to those types of things. Yeah. iOS 17 is going to allow you to save instead of ducking and dodging those picks. We'll move on to football now. And this is mostly going to be Buffalo Bills talk which I know some of you guys don't care about. But, you know, since the Bills are on the uprise and have been for a few years now, there's the bandwagon fans who are coming along and saying, I've always been a Bills fan. No, no, you haven't. Trust me, no, you haven't. But the bandwagon fans are one of the things that most, it's most frustrating to me. Because, like, one, you can always kind of pick them out. And so, all right, sign up before I get back on the Bills stuff. So to tell you how much sports used to mean to me, because I've kind of tapered off where I thought I needed to know everything about the Buffalo Bills and everything about sports. And when you said that you liked something, I would try to challenge you on what you thought you knew as opposed to what I know. Because my sports trivia back in the day used to be off the charts. And recently I've kind of moved away from the fanhood portion to more of the executive and business side of things and just the overall storylines that are told and part A moving to part B and what the domino effect of all of those things, as opposed to just knowing stats and trivia. But you can always kind of tell the, the the bandwagon fans because of when they say that they were a fan of, if they say, oh, I've always been a fan and you know how old they are, that that can sometimes be like a red flag, if you will. Or if they say, I've been a Seahawks fan since, and it's basically since Russell Wilson was drafted, or a Patriots fan basically since 2000, and you're like, oh, oh, I get it. Got it. At least you're upfront about it now, so I know exactly what I'm dealing with. But there was a time where my wife and I had some friends over, and the the wife of our friend was like, oh, I've been a Seahawks fan for a blank amount of years. And it was right around that, that Russell Wilson time. They had just won their first Super Bowl. And I was like, oh, really? You're a Seahawks fan, huh? And my wife looked right at me and she goes, and she's looking me in the eyes. She didn't say anything, but I can tell in her eyes. And she's like, Prescott, don't you 
fucking do this. I see what you want to do. Don't, don't do it. We have company over. And I kind of gave her that like little side smirk. Like, I know what you're thinking, but we both know what's about to fucking go down. So of course I played the card and it was funny because we were playing Trivial Pursuit at the time. So it was, it was a trivia game and I just kind of ran with the theme and I said, okay, well, tell you what, can you name me five active Seattle Seahawks? Mm. Like it went from, it went from, we were having a pretty good time to everybody looking else at each other at different moments and then staring back at me and it just being this. Yeah, it was a pretty awkward evening after that. But that's what it used to mean to me. Like my fanhood used to mean that much to me where I call you out when I thought that you were bullshitting with me. Anyways, getting back off topic, enough of my toxic used to be fanhood and onto the Buffalo Bills for probably the remainder of this segment, I would believe, because I got to start work fairly soon. Um, there's whispers and murmurs right now that the Madden athlete for 2024 is going to be Josh Allen. Now there's still, there's still some other things, you know, sauce Gardner's trying to throw himself in the mix, Joe Burrow. And these are all even updated as of, I think yesterday, but as of two or three days ago, it was supposedly leaked that Josh Allen was supposed to be the cover athlete. And usually when they're th- when those things are leaked, that's when you get the other dudes trying to be like, I want to be part of it too. Josh Allen most likely is going to be the cover athlete. So if you believe in the Madden curse, don't you worry. It's officially broken because Josh Allen still won't win an MVP. Josh Allen and the Bills still won't win a Super Bowl. This is just going to be a regular ass season for the Buffalo Bills. The Madden curse is officially lifted and you can finally thank the Buffalo Bills for doing something right. Now, look, I hope I'm wrong. I would love for the Bills to win a Super Bowl. But as of right now, I don't really want them to win it this way. This is going to sound really counterintuitive to sports. But I've been so used to losing for so long that it's just kind of part of my DNA. And I've been I've been labeled a self-hating Bills fan, which, you know what, if that's how you want to label me, it's really hard for me to argue that point at this, at this point in time and, and juncture of, my Bills fanhood, it's really hard to argue with that because I've been hurt so many times. I just keep myself down and you don't have to get ready if you stay ready. That's been, that's my mentality. But because the Bills have been, you know, relatively good over the past three or four years and the expectations are there, if they win this year, it's not going to feel quite as sweet as if it would have happened. God, it was what, three years ago when they played Houston in the wild card round? Houston was a favorite. Buffalo was up, then blew that lead. Josh Allen playing hero ball. It was was just a brutal. But like if that team would have won, my anxiety would have been through the roof on every single game. And there's some type of, when you know that you're supposed to win and you do, it just doesn't feel that good. But when you're not supposed to, when you do, there's a certain heightened level of endorphins and just overall excitement which is kind of where I'm at now. Like I'm not expecting the bills to win, but they were preseason Super Bowl favorites last year. They're still right around there this year. It's Kansas city, Cincinnati and Buffalo. Those are the three teams that we are 
blanketing in the AFC to represent that conference. So if the Bills make it in, do win. God, I, I almost am going to feel like, well, yeah, we've, we were supposed to the last two years. So, oh, we finally got it done. I'd almost rather be like a nine and seven or now nine and eight team or 10 and seven. And that team win it because at least I feel like at that point in time, every win would essentially be an upset. And there's some type of, there's more stakes involved when you're the, when you're the favorite and you win, I feel like that would just be lame. Right. And maybe that's just me. Like I would, I would imagine like Patriots fans got like, they got kind of bored with winning. At what point in time did they stop destroying Massachusetts? Right. I feel like when you're on that big of a run, you're like, I, the property damage isn't worth it anymore. If Buffalo wins the Super Bowl this year, good Lord, you might as well just completely shut down the state of New York because you're going to need all the bailouts in the world to reconstruct that state. But as long as Josh Allen is still Josh Allen and the Bills are still the Bills, don't you worry. That Madden curse is finally broken. Whoever wants to be on it next year, they can be it. Because it's not a curse when it comes to the Bills. The Bills are just the Bills, baby. So to get to actual football analysis, if you will, two, I guess you could say big things happened over the last week or so at Buffalo. They signed Ed Oliver to a big deal. It was like four years, 60, $65 million. A bunch of that was guaranteed. And they also signed Leonard Floyd to a one-year deal. And surprisingly, the Leonard Floyd deal to me is more impactful than the Ed Oliver deal. The Bills have had a pretty good depth of defensive line, and they rotate like seven, eight dudes all the time, which when Vaughn, okay, so when Vaughn Miller was healthy last year before he had a season-ending injury, the Bills were a top 10 pass rush team when they had Vaughn Miller. Now, coming back, he's supposed to be ready for week one, which would be huge. I know he's getting up there in age, and he's coming off an injury, so it'll be interesting to see if he can actually play all 17 games. But if he does, and you got him on one side, Leonard Floyd on the other, and you still can rotate guys in like Greg Rousseau, the pass rush on the edge is going to be fine. And I, I like the move to get Leonard Floyd, especially on a one-year deal. Floyd has had almost 30 sacks for the past three seasons. He brings something that the Bills need. But the pass rush, I said, like I said last year, was fine before Von Miller got hurt. What's been their Achilles heel is the run defense. And now, so you lose Tremaine Edmonds. He's in Chicago now. He was more, he was better in pass coverage as a run stopper, but you lose a really good young, fast sideline, a sideline wide uh, linebacker. But you signed Ed Oliver to a $60 million deal when what you needed was a really legitimate run stopper. Because that's what teams are doing. They're just running up the gut on Buffalo. When they need to run on Buffalo, teams do it. And it's really not that hard. Their numbers can sometimes be skewed defensively over the last few years. And I bring this up and unless you really watch these games and you circumstantially see the kind of predicaments that Buffalo's defense has put in, if you need to get third and short on the Bills, you can get third and short on the Bills. They run almost exclusively in nickel package and their interior defensive line is I don't want to say that Ed Oliver is necessarily like undersized, but when he's the guy, he's supposed to be the dude. 
it's not going to work out well. I think that what Buffalo did is they, they, he was the first first round pick that they had of this new regime with Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott, I believe, because they picked Josh Allen the year afterwards. So it feels like they're just trying to stick with their guy. I have a really hard time basically paying essentially $15 million a year for a guy who nobody really considers one of the best defensive tackles. And I know the defensive tackle can be a position that we kind of push by the wayside. It's not one of those glamour positions. But when that's the position of need that you really need and you overpay that guy, I have a problem with that. Because Buffalo over the past few years has gotten in this tendency where because their offense has been pretty dynamic, they can get up on you early and make you abandon your run game, which makes their run defense look better. But when they're in these tight games or if they're down, they might still be able to put up points and get back into the game. But as a general rule, when it comes time to go either four-minute offense or just bleed some clock, whatever your situation is, Buffalo's run defense, especially interior-wise, has not been good the last number of years. And Ed Oliver has been the constant on that defensive line. They've circled in other guys, right? They've had the guys like the Jordan Phillips of the world. Uh, they went and got uh, the guy from Carolina, Starla Tulele. They've brought in other big guys, but towards the, like Jordan Phillips, not so much this, but Latulale towards the end of their career, overpaid. They made some bad mistakes on the interior line. If they had a real run stopper to go aside, like right next to Ed Oliver, and then still have Von Miller and Leonard Floyd and or Greg Rousseau come at the edge. That would be a dynamic and a great defensive line because you're addressing the interior wise. You need to do with stopping the run and still getting a pass rush. But to me, the overpaid for Ed Oliver and of all the positions for you to overpay on defensive tackle and guy who, and a guy who doesn't actually fit a need that you have to have met I don't have a whole lot of criticism of what the Bills front office has done over the past four or five years or so, but this one seems like an overpay, seems like a reach. And again, I just think that Buffalo is going to get bounced from either the divisional round or the conference championship again by most likely either Cincinnati or Kansas City, maybe even Baltimore. Who knows? But it don't worry. The Buffalo Bills ain't winning Super Bowl this year. I know I said that last segment, but you know, to really drive it home, we'll just say it again. And with that being said, unfortunately, we're going to have to hang it up for the day. You can find us on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, and Spotify. Make sure to like, share, subscribe, review, smash those five-star reviews. In fact, make sure to tell your friends, hide your kids, hide your wives. I got the next three days off, so hopefully we can get into more in-depth content and not just feel like we have to rush through these things. Make sure you support my dude Dolo J, the Kicking It Dolo podcast on YouTube and Spotify, and Matt Zabrowski of the Clearly Unclear podcast on Spotify as well. You guys know the drill. Stay up, stay blessed, and we'll catch you guys on the next one. <laughs>